We just wanted to start by saying thank you to every single one of you for actually being, being our church. Uh, Spark doesn't have a building. And so we are, that, that's a beautiful image and picture that the church actually comes alive when you walk into this building, when you gather together and when you sing and when you say hello and you greet one another, um, when you converse, when you ask questions, when you wrestle, um, when you do all of that. And the fact that we don't have a, a building just makes all of that more true. There's going to be a couple Sundays the rest of this year that we're going to have to meet somewhere else and the church will still meet. And I hope that you feel and sense from us um, just how grateful we are uh, that you are our church. Spark does not meet in, Spark is not this place. This place becomes Spark Church when you enter in and you inhabit it. So we just want to say thanks for being our church. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we have two congregations that share this roof. And for Congregation Eitz Chaim, the Jewish congregation for whom this is their permanent 24 hours a day, seven days a week home, they constantly have been welcoming us for the last seven years with incredible hospitality. And we're so deeply grateful for their friendship and their familyship and partnership and their love for each one of us in this room. And we also recognize like our, our little one will come in here at other points during the week or for uh, services within the Eitz Chaim community on a Friday night or Saturday morning, and she'll say, oh, that's Eitz, right? And then she'll come into the same building less than 24 hours later, and, be, and now it's Spark. And so I think it's fun that, you know, she associates it exactly with all of you in this room. You're each one of those bricks that comes together and builds this holy place and space when we're here. Just like Eitz Chaim builds a holy space for them as well. And, and just that she knows this is Spark, is that you are Spark, is beautiful and wonderful, and we're deeply grateful for that. Uh, during the ancient Israelite time, and also during the Second Temple period, which was the time of Jesus' life and teachings, there were people, the people of God observed a biblical calendar. And that biblical calendar uh, is marked by evening and morning, and seven days a week, and God resting one day a week, and it's also marked by seven primary biblical holidays. And every fall, when we remember the beginning of Spark and our last seven years now together, we're actually right in the midst of biblical holidays right now. We're right between the Feast of Trumpets, or also known as Rosh Hashanah, which just last Sunday night, Monday, and then coming up this Tuesday night, beginning Tuesday night and all of Wednesday, is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And then from then that point, you'll start to see, for sparkers who are here, you'll start to see a sukkah, a temporary tabernacle being built outside, and the Festival of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, will happen. The reason why God has the Israelites keeping... More, more alleluia, please, is Aiden's request. More alleluia. I know, man. It was good stuff. You can be our worship leader next time. He's calling out Mark's role. Since Mark's been chosen, like, I'll come up front. Oh, he's gone boneless. More alleluia. Good job, Aiden. More alleluia. Amen, right? That's so awesome. Oh, we love that. Uh, during the second temple period, then they would have these seven holidays where God would call God's people back every year to remember stories, to remember God's faithfulness, to celebrate, to give thanksgiving, to 
have reconciliation between ourselves and God, to connect again, all of those things happening. And those times in our Bible that Jesus fully participated in as well served as anchors, bringing Israel back to its story again and again. Israel's never allowed to forget the Passover. They're going to celebrate it every spring, right? They're never allowed to forget the time when God was their temporary dwelling place in the desert because they celebrate it with a temporary dwelling place every fall. And so every year, Israel remembers those things, and it anchors them back into their story, recalling how God has been their protector. So today, we want to take the opportunity of our seven-year anniversary to do the same thing, to continue to anchor us in our story, in our Jesus story here, to remember God's faithfulness faithfulness these past seven years, to thank Jesus for all he's done, and celebrate and give God all of our praise. For years, we've said that Spark is going to take the shape of the people who come. That as each of you show up and you get your hands dirty and you start to create here at Spark and do and contribute all that God is asking you to do and contribute, then Spark will take that shape. So this was our first year, year seven, where we got to have beautiful Polynesian Hawaiian dancers come and worship God for us, with us in that incredible praise experience because Junior's here. So because Junior's here now, Junior gets to bring in his experience and shape. And that's what happens for each one of us. Each one of you, we come into the room and we get to shape and bring the best of what we have to worship God. And we're so grateful for that. And we want to thank God for all that he's been doing these last seven years. The story of Spark really began more than seven years ago with a lot of conversations. Um, Actually, probably 10, 15, in some ways, 20 years ago when, or 21 years ago when we were first married and started talking about what would it look like to create a church. And we decided maybe someday, but not now. And then as time started getting closer to spark days, it became more clear and apparent that it was going to get sooner rather than later. And those conversations with students and with many of you in this room, you started creating spark before we even had a name for it. And Spark also began on a rooftop bar in Puerto Vallarta. I don't know if you know. Right at the table at the end. by the, Anyone? Yeah. That's where Spark kind of started additionally on Thanksgiving break. Kevin and I have never done anything like that before eight years ago. Um, we haven't really done anything like that since. Uh, it was our first and only time we're like in some sort of, you know, it was a great deal on Travel Zoo. We got this all-inclusive deal. So we zoomed down. And we were sitting on the top of this rooftop bar listening to really cheesy 80s music um, and bumping like with the neon and having like, because it's an all you can eat, you know, you have to get all your meals in to make your money. So Kevin, you're good at the buffet. So we, uh, we made, we, right? Right? Yeah, it was good. Just calling me out like every Sunday now. That's ridiculous. So we were sitting there and we said, you know, what are five core values? Well, let me let me back up. You want back up? Great. For just one second, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our marriage. (laughs) Welcome to Smart. I think one of the things that's really relevant to tell about our story is that Danielle and I had been in ministry. Many of you know this story on the peninsula for many many years. And those years had, had phenomenal highs and joys, and we have built amazing relationships with so many of you as a result of the, the, those ministries. But at the same time, some new questions were emerging, some new experiences that were not great, some church hurt, challenges, 
complications with what was going on with the culture. I mean, this was eight, nine years ago. Those questions were emerging. And we wanted to wrestle with those questions. We wanted to ask deeply, who are we in this new world with these new questions? We wanted to wrestle with things that churches traditionally didn't want to wrestle with. Things that were considered too social, too political, too off-topic, not the main thing. But yet they were so important to us and the people around us. It started with things like science, our relationship with our Jewish brothers and sisters. Um, And eventually it evolved into things such as immigration and race, sexual identity, um, theology, what is the Bible? So all those questions were emerging within us. And for those of you who have been through the, the journey of asking questions, you know that asking those questions can really unmoor you. They can go, I don't, not quite sure where I am anymore or who, who I am or what do I believe. And so when Danielle talks about what are the five words that identify who we are, it was an exercise in discipline to say, I'm not quite sure I know about that, but here are some, here are some things I do know. I do know about love. I do know that when God is represented in this world in poor ways that make God out to be something other than who God is portrayed in, in our scriptures, that really ticks us off. That, that's the reputation piece. When broken relationships are seen as an unfortunate kind of sim, a symptom of, well, we have to keep the church going or the movement going or whatever it is, and every now and then some broken relationships are going to happen, with, that wasn't satisfactory. So reconciliation was really important. And if there was a broken relationship somewhere, that was really critically important. The rescue piece. Whenever we think, this, this was back when we were learning more and more about international justice mission and slavery across the world. And for some people in our circles, all of that was a nice thing to possibly do in addition to the important work of church. And for us, it was like, wait a second. We're reading this story. We're trying to follow this person of Jesus. It doesn't seem like a nice thing to do in addition to church. It seems like the thing that Jesus is about. And so when we talk about sitting on this rooftop, it was a mix of all of that. Asking questions, wrestling with our reality, asking who are we in the midst of this context and this culture. And the reason why I tell you that is so you know a little bit about how we came to be, but also so you know we are kind of in that same place, aren't we? of continuing to ask questions and continuing to wrestle and continuing to want to ground ourselves in who are we in the midst of this crazy context that we're in and making sure that we remind ourselves very much like the Jewish tradition and practice of finding that rhythm, finding that tradition, finding that system where you constantly remind ourselves, yes, this is who I am. This is who we are. This is who Jesus is. And let us remind ourselves that that is our anchor that is our story, and that is who we are called to be. Yeah, I, I think what sort of prompted that whole moment was that, I don't know if you know this, but pastors oftentimes are not allowed to ask hard questions, or they don't do so publicly, right? If a pastor gets up front on a Sunday and says, you know, I just don't know today about this whole Jesus thing, that doesn't go over very well, right? And we really wanted to find a community where we could hold very tightly to Jesus and also in very vulnerable ways, make sure that everybody in the room, including pastoral leadership and church leaders, 
all got to be honest about the questions we were asking. Because if we didn't have that honesty and that vulnerability in asking those questions and also still getting ourselves anchored back to the way of Jesus as we ask those questions, then what happens to you? What happens to a person in a community when they start to feel disconnected or that they have to bring a shadow self to that moment? Eventually they leave, right? Because oftentimes we think I only belong if I believe all these things. And we wanted to find a place where we could belong and wrestle and still keep holding tightly to one another and to the person of Jesus while also holding very loosely to what to maybe some mistakes we had made about what we understood the person of Jesus to be. So we're here because of those conversations on rooftop bars and around our kitchen table, because of lots of conversations in Israel as we walk through the land and as we look at something and say, huh, that is not how I pictured it. Sea of Galilee does not look like the Pacific Ocean. Kind of always thought about it as Pacific Ocean, right? Doesn't even look like Lake Tahoe. It's much smaller. So how do we, like as those things would come to our face, um, in that study, we started asking those questions. We're also here because Rabbi Ari and Eitz Chaim invited us in. For those of you who don't know the story of how we got here, Rabbi Ari and I have been friends for years, and he would come and open up the Torah scroll for, for classes as we would teach the Bible, and we would try to understand more of our historical and cultural context. And Ari and I, before Spark had a name, before Spark had started, before we announced we were doing anything, we were sitting in his office right over there. He's since retired. And he's said, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, we're kind of thinking about starting something. And he said, oh, that's cool. Well, why don't you meet here? And I thought, that's amazing. Um, I don't want to seem overly eager. And also, does he know what he's offering? (laughs) Because that's not historically been a place where Christians and Jews can come together to share space for very real Concerns, particularly on the part of the Jewish people, because Christians have a lot to apologize for continually. Um, And so he offered, and I went, okay, thanks. And then we kind of just left it like that. Now, I had been driving by this place because we don't live too far, and I was looking with a craned neck, constantly staring and thinking, maybe here. Maybe a church, maybe a school, maybe, you know, a gym, maybe a park, maybe a house, or maybe here. But I never asked God for it. I never asked Ari for it. I never hinted. I just really wanted it. And I felt like a kid in a candy store where they press their nose against the window and, like, they fog up part of the window near the part they really want. And after I just kind of was like, he's like, you should be here. And I was like, okay, you know, we tried to, like, tried to change the subject, move on. I don't want him to be in an odd place between my, our friendship and, and the challenge of bringing a church into a space and everything else. And, and he said, no, Danielle, stop. Did you hear me? I said you can hang your shingle here. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll talk to Kevin about that. And I got in the car and cried. And I called Kevin. I was like, he just offered, like, I didn't even ask. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and she said, Danielle, A father doesn't need to be told which one his daughter wants. And I was like, oh. And I felt known and heard. And Eitz Chaim offered us crazy deals. Uh, I mean, in Silicon Valley, y'all, it is hard to find space. And we've joked for years that they planted a church. (laughs) And you know what? They're like, yes, we have. And we are grateful that we are sort of brothers and sisters, that we can work together on issues like immigration, that we can work together on issues of justice, that we come and we listen to one another, we've studied together, we even did an Israel tour together. 
and God has been doing great things, and we're here really honestly in large part because of who AIDS is and how they welcomed us in. And perhaps one of the most, uh, at the culmination of all of this, the reason why we're here is because of all of you. I mean, we've said this before, this is a nice idea, um, unless people actually show up and want to be a part of something. <laughs> and um, we, we don't say this as a nice encouragement to the church. We say this because we actually believe it. That's part of why starting off by saying we don't have a building. The church really is you. The church exists when you show up and you have conversation and we gather together and we worship and we sing together. Um, and so we're just tremendously thrilled and thankful to every single one of you for being Spark. We mean that. Um, it's kind of crazy because we've, uh, I mean, look at this. Look at Tony. Uh, we met was, Tony seven years ago. Yeah. It's, it's he amazing. showed up here to do, we just hired a coffee company and Tony showed up. And he was doing t- coffee yeah. in the back. And, and I was like, this is so great. This is amazing. And he goes, well, you know you could have me here every week. And I was like, <laughs> right. He goes, no, like, you, you could have me here every week. He's like, oh, wait, maybe we could. And now Tony has been here yeah. every week. And now has his own coffee company, which you should totally support and have come to all of your events. Because Tony is family. Yeah. And for many of us here at this church, Tony was your first pastor. Right? He knew what you took. He's like, I, I know your order. He's got it down. He knows your name. And he's been a gift and a blessing. He creates spark wherever he goes. Yeah. Junior was here for our opening. We appreciated him. And the fact and that he's on staff is kind of crazy. And your family on staff. We've been family for years. But Junior's now here, here. Not just for special occasions. Woo! Oh. 